Welcome to New Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this week's message. For more information regarding New Hope, visit newhopecom.org. Everybody looks so nice, nicer than even normal. <clears throat> Better than normal. All right. Oh, this is good. You know, we were laughing uh, the other night because Easter is the one time where there's proof that your kids can actually find things when you ask them to. Um, you know, it's, it's amazing you know, how uh, we'll be at home. The one time that I want to sit down and watch TV during the week, most of you guys probably can relate, there's no remote anywhere. And, you know, you need 50 nowadays to do anything, to turn on anything. And so we'll say, where's the remote? And they're all of four of them, I, I don't know. I'm like, well, you guys have been watching it since you got home from school. You know, like, where are the remotes? Nobody has any clue. So we're ripping apart couch cushions. We're rearranging the whole living room, trying to find that remote, you know. Uh, it just makes us laugh. But then you put a few Easter eggs out in a field, and the kids can find them anywhere. And you put them in the most obscure places. You can put them up in the top of a tree, in a mailbox. I mean, if there's candy in it, they're going to find it. Uh, it just blows our mind. What do they say also, too, that Easter is the only time that it's okay to put all of your eggs into one basket? <laughs> the only time in life it's okay to put all your eggs in one basket. Uh, just funny. You've got to have fun, you know? Um, so we are going to get right into this this morning. Um, if you have never heard the Easter story, you, probably most of us have. We probably have bits and pieces of it that we've heard. Sometimes, I don't know, for a long time I grew up in the church, I'm like, I understand that he died and rose again, but like, okay, what does that really mean? Like, you know, what does that really mean? Uh, we know a lot of the events of it, but today we're going to dig a little bit deeper into some of the meaning into a couple different aspects of it, Okay. So if you have your Bible, if you have your phone, you might want to have it ready. I'll have the words up here too so that you can see it. Um, but my hope and my prayer is that today is that we get an opportunity to rethink, to relook at how incredible Jesus was, what he came to fulfill, and how he did it exactly on time and the way he said he was going to do it. There should be no doubt in our minds that this is a God to get behind, and he's worth giving our life for. Um, if I'm going to get behind something, I want to I have the experience. I've got to have an experience, but i also got to understand it. Like, does this even make sense? I mean, like, would I get behind this person? Um, would I give my life to this person, to Jesus? Um, and I think what we go through today, it just blows my mind every time I hear it, I learn it. I'm like, I can get behind this because there is no way anybody could make this stuff up. I almost wanted to call it, you can't make this stuff up. That was almost my message title, but I'm like, yeah, a little too rogue. Um, so we're going to dive into this. So let's just pray real quick. I just want to pray for us. Lord, I just um, thank you, Holy Spirit, for leading us this morning. Thank you for the time of worship where we can just come before you the way we are and just sing about what you've done and that you're good. And that stuff's got to resonate in us and in us and in us and through us. Um, and even this morning, Lord, as I share, as I share some things that we've heard, some things that may be new, Lord, that we'd have a deeper appreciation today for the power that is available to each one of us, for the life that's available to each one of us, for what you came to do 
that greater love has no one than that they would lay down their lives for their friends. That, Lord, we can get behind you. We can serve you with our whole life and our whole heart. That this is worth it. It's amazing. So, God, um, minister to hearts this morning. Lord, open our eyes to hear in a new way. Open our ears to hear in a new way. Uh, In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, I want to go right into this. Um, There is so much meaning in some of the events that led up to Jesus' death that I think sometimes we just are so used to hearing about it. Uh, that we need to take a little step back and take a look at it. And by the way, I think it's a really great thing to celebrate Easter every year. I mean, there are rituals in the Christian faith that have been done for uh, millennia. So this is, we're, doing, we're joining in with like the rest of the world today and what we celebrate is one of the most turning, significant turning points in our world history. Nothing, Earth has never been the same since this happened 2,000 years ago. It's good to celebrate it. These rituals are good, and we need to take some time to, like, remember this stuff. And, you know, God was a big fan of, like, doing feasts and gatherings so that you'd remember this stuff. Uh, And and so we're going to look back at some things that they did 1,500 years before Christ came. 1,500 years before Christ came, okay? Uh, So we're going to look at some of this, just a few highlights of some of the biblical feasts, some of the Passover. Jesus was the fulfillment of things that they had been practicing and doing for 1,500 years. I think sometimes we forget that. 1,500 years. Uh, If you have your Bible, turn to Leviticus 23. Leviticus 23.1. Leviticus 23.1 says... The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, These are my appointed feasts, the appointed feasts of the Lord, which you are to proclaim as sacred assemblies. This was the Lord saying to Moses, He's saying, Go tell the Israelites, These are the feasts that you're going to do going forward. It became integrated in the Jewish people and in the Israelites. Um, And you're going to do these every year. You're going to do them in this certain order at this time. Then after that, he goes on to talk about the Sabbath, and he goes on to explain what that means. And then in verse 5, the Lord says, And the Lord's Passover begins at twilight on the 14th day of the first month. So the God is very clear. I mean, he based a lot of these holidays off the lunar calendar. So every year at the same time, they'd be celebrating a lot of these feasts. And they had markers, and, and you know, their calendar was based off of things that happened in the heavens so when we talk about the events of Jesus, the, the stars and the moons and the heavens had to line up at the right time. Talk about a God who was just incredible. We'll see this in a minute. So, um, okay, so we've gone through that. So the Lord told them to start celebrating feasts at certain times of the year. Now turn to Exodus 12. Exodus chapter 12. We're going to look at verse 3 and 5 through 6. And here is the Lord saying to Moses and Aaron, he says, speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, he's very specific here, on the 10th of the month, on the 10th of this month, they are each one to take a lamb for themselves according to their father's households, a lamb for each household. Your lamb shall be an unblemished male, a year old, and you may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Um, you know, and we're going to read some of this stuff and what some of the things the Lord said. And keep in mind, it helped me understand this because we were joking about it at breakfast with some friends this morning. 
when you read some of the stuff that the Lord told them to do back in those days, you're like, that sounds like some of the most vile and strange stuff I've ever heard in my life. Like, put blood on your, your uh, doorpost, do all these things, you know, pick out this lamb and kill it. Well, a lot of that stuff happened in the culture, in the ancient Near East culture at that time. So sometimes the practices we see in here were practices that were done in other, for other reasons by other religions of that time. So for us, it seems super weird to read some of this stuff and say, why in the world would God ask us to do this? You know? But if we could put it in today's day and age, it'd be like God saying, okay, if you're Italian, I want you to every Sunday after church go home and have pasta and meatballs and lasagna and do this every year and talk about the goodness of God among you. You know, it's like, okay, if we're ha I'm a half Italian, we, we relate to that. That makes sense. We do that. We would do that in our culture. So when we read some of this stuff, we have to put ourselves kind of back in that time and say, they would have understood some of this stuff. Uh, it might have been used in different ways for different reasons in culture, but it wasn't like it just came out of thin air. It would have made sense. Uh, to us, it looks like, oh, God is really vile or something, you know, but that wasn't exactly, that's not true. Um, so Exodus 12 says, okay, so we read that, um, about uh, on the 10th of the month, you're to go out and look for a lamb, um, you're going to spend, you know, five days or so um, looking it over to make sure there was no defects. So your lamb shall be an unblemished male, a year old, you can take it from the sheep or from the goats, you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month, and then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel is going to kill it at twilight. Okay, so remember that, and remember those numbers. On the 10th of the month, you, you pick the lamb out, and then on the 14th, 15th, you're going to kill it during the Passover. So now, if we look at this, and we understand that, remember Jesus, they were celebrating Passover when he did the Last Supper. So he was, they were doing a Passover meal. And if we had time this morning, which we don't, we'd get into understanding a little bit about what the Passover meal was. But it was celebrating, it was called, you know, that God would pass over, or that it would be protection. And they were remembering uh, God's deliverance of them from Egypt uh, many, many years earlier, when he whisked them out of Egypt, out of hundreds of years of slavery. So God said, every year now, you're going to celebrate the Passover to remember that on the 10th plague, when I said I was going to take out each of the first male uh, you know, young kids in the household, babies in the household, if you painted blood over the doorpost, I was going to see that and the angel was going to pass over. You were going to be protected and it wasn't going to harm you. So this is why they're celebrating Passover. And, and it's still to this day, I have friends uh, you know, that I work with and they're like, they did a Passover meal Monday night, I think it was actually Passover this year, Monday night into Tuesday evening. Um, we do not have to do this anymore. I mean, if you're Jewish, you probably are going to appreciate some of these customs, but Jesus fulfilled the stuff. So we're going to see that, that Jesus was the fulfillment of this. And we can still get a lot of great meaning out of this stuff. It's, it's really incredible. So what we just read, let's break this down very simply about the Passover. Exodus 12.5 said the Passover lambs had to be an unblemished male. And then we see Jesus come along, who is a sinless, perfect male right? This was prophetic. This was going to be a prophetic type of what Jesus was going to be, a perfect, spotless, the Lamb of God. John said, behold, the Lamb of God comes in you know, to save the world. Um, so at the same time also that the Israelites were bringing the lambs into their houses for five days to look for flaws, 
Jesus had ridden into Israel on the 10th of that month as the Lamb of the world, presenting himself as the Lamb of the world, right? He rode in on a donkey. We always celebrate the palms and all that stuff. Uh, well, that was the same thing. So in Israel days, they would have been celebrating the Passover. They would have, on the 10th of the month, each of the families in Israel would have been out picking out their lambs, looking for a perfect lamb, and they were going to check it for five days to make sure it was flawless. Jesus had rode into Jerusalem on the 10th of that month as the perfect spotless lamb, riding in on a donkey, presenting himself as an acceptable sacrifice, right? And then we see at the same time that all of Israel is putting to death their lambs to celebrate the Passover, the sacrifice, sacrificial lamb is dying in Israel at the same time. Jesus is fulfilling the Passover types, the Passover meal that they had been celebrating for 1,500 years. You couldn't make this stuff up. You just couldn't. It's amazing. Um, and we know that Jesus was sinless uh, because even Pontius Pilate said, right, after interrogating him, he said, I find no fault in him. I find no fault in him. Uh, and the only reason they were able to make him guilty was because they brought false witnesses against him to you know, get him charged as guilty. But Pilate said, I find no fault in him. Jesus was the acceptable sacrifice. Jesus was killed, crucified on the day of preparation for the Passover, and he died that evening, the same time that all the lambs were being put to death all over Israel. It's incredible. So Exodus, again, if we want to review that, 12.6, tells us that the lambs were to be killed at twilight because the Hebrew day begins in the evening at 6 p.m. That was the same time uh, a lot of the people were putting to death their lambs. Uh, so the Passover lamb was dying right in their midst on the cross. Now let's take a look at the Last Supper quickly. So instead, Jesus stands up. So, okay, so Passover, if you went to a Passover Seder, has anyone ever done that, just out of curiosity, been part of it? I've done one. It's, it was a really interesting experience. So um, if you have been part of that, it's still celebrated in the Jewish culture, if you're Jewish. Um, you know, uh, what was my point? It was going to be a really good point. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, okay. So you had certain rules and things that you followed in Passover. So you did it this way, you ate lamb, you had bitter herbs, you know, all those things you have to do. Jesus, instead of standing up, now we've all seen, we saw the painting this year of the Last Supper. I got to see it in, 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 in person. We, we've seen the image of the Last Supper, right, where they're all celebrating it. Jesus normally would have been leading them through the Passover meal. Instead, he stands up and he starts to say, this is the new cup of the covenant. This is my blood. Drink it in remembrance of me. And they're all thinking, what is he talking about? That's not how you lead a Passover meal. You start talking about this, and then you eat this type of food, and you tell them about what happened when the, the Israelites came out of Egypt, you know, 1,500 years earlier. But instead, Jesus said, drink from this, for this is the blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Jews didn't drink blood at that time. It was against their culture. So it would have been really odd for Jesus to stand up and say, drink from this cup, this is my blood. And what he was saying was he was going to be initiating a new covenant now. It was a new time. It was a new era that we could all come boldly before God. So it's pretty, pretty amazing. So the Last Supper, in many ways, a lot of people now call it the First Supper because it started something new. 
It was the last supper of almost that old covenant era, and it was initiating a new meal and a new tradition. And today we celebrate communion in that way. We remember what Christ did and that his blood, it had to be the blood of a perfect lamb to create a new covenant. You know, so we could get into that more, but, but I can't. Um, so, okay, so we did that. So we talked a little bit about Passover. We talked a little bit about the Last Supper. I want to just briefly talk about one feast that is almost never talked about. I don't think I've ever heard a message on this, and I think it's actually one of the most important parts of the week. It's actually why we're here today. Um, after Passover, there was a Sabbath, right? It would have been Friday night, Friday evening to Saturday evening. The next day after that Sabbath in their culture would have been the Feast of First Fruits. I don't think I've ever heard a lot of teaching on this, but it should be one of the most important things, the most important feast to look at to understand what happened. It's an amazing prophetic fulfillment. So, um, so what was it? Well, we can see it talks about, God tells them in the same way, he says the Feast of First Fruits you're going to celebrate after the Sabbath of this certain week um, what we see is in Leviticus 23, God gives them instructions. So what was this? So this, the Feast of First Fruits would have been celebrating the early harvest at their time. So to make it really simple, the townspeople would go out, they'd go out into the fields, and they would pick, the barley was a grain that was used to make leaven in those days. So they would um, go out and they'd pick out these barley sheaves, these big leaves, they'd bring them into the priest, the priest would wave them in the temple, and that sign, that act was signifying that there was going to be a good harvest this year. So they were bringing the first fruits of the harvest in faith to say, God, we know you've, you've brought us this far, you're going to take us, you're going to provide in late summer. So it was the first fruits of that year. So in the sense, I mean, it's hard for us to kind of relate to this because we don't live in an agrarian society. I don't store up cucumbers and tomatoes and barley in my house. Probably not many people here do unless you're a farmer. Uh, but they would, that would have been so significant to them. If you are doing that, by the way, that's really interesting. I want to understand why. Um, are you trading, getting money from those? I mean, I would be very interested... But for them, that was like, that would have been like, okay, they're bringing in a barley sheaf, a big leaf to wave. We'd be bringing in dollar bills or our checkbook or something. I mean, like waving them in front of the Lord, giving $100 bills, saying, we're giving you the first fruits of what we've produced. We know you're going to provide for us down the road. You're going to be faithful to do it. So that was the feast of first fruits. So, and actually, we see that Jesus actually prophesied this in John 12 when he was talking to a Jewish audience who had come to celebrate Passover. Jesus told him this. He says, I tell you that unless a grain of wheat that falls to the ground dies, it stays just a grain. But if it dies, it produces a big harvest. And then he goes on to say, as for me, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. Isn't that amazing? Jesus was prophesying, in a sense, almost that he was going to be resurrecting, that he needed to die in order that new life needed to come up, and that he was going to be the first of this harvest. And then, I mean, he was almost prophesying it, speaking it to them, and we know that they really didn't understand this, right? We know they, they, he said this a lot of times, and he said, on the third day, I'm going to do this, and then on the third day, and a lot of that probably went right past them. But here he was prophesying about why he needed to die, so what we see is the Passover perfectly symbolized Jesus' death 
is fulfilling all of those types that they had been celebrating. The Feast of First Fruits perfectly symbolized the resurrection. So as Jesus was coming out of the grave, the priest was in the temple waving the sheaves, signifying the first of the coming harvest. Isn't that incredible? It happened at the exact same time. So now if we break this stuff down really simply, we say on the 10th of that month, Jesus is riding into Jerusalem while all of Israel is picking out their lambs and looking at them for flaws. For the next five days, they're inspecting them for flaws. Jesus is being interrogated by the chief priests and the religious leaders. He was accepted by the people. He wasn't by the religious leaders. So we have the 15th. Then he was killed on Passover while all of Israel was putting to death their Passover lambs. He was fulfilling, the, he was fulfilling that type that he was the perfect fulfillment that needed to die to initiate a new covenant. Then he died. He was in the tomb. Then we have a day of the Sabbath where no work was to be done. And then we have the Feast of First Fruits. Very early in that morning, the priest would have been waving the sheaths in the temple, signifying the coming harvest as Jesus was walking out of the tomb. Wow. You know, I'm telling you, I might change this title to You Can't Make This Stuff Up. Isn't that incredible? It's just amazing. So after 1,500 years, you know, now... You know, here's the thing, is that 1,500 years of doing all that stuff that they were told to do, and then here Jesus is in front of them. He's the real thing. It's not about feasts anymore or sacrifices. I don't think anybody out here is probably sacrificing animals, right, to atone for your sin. You'd probably be in jail. I think that's illegal. Uh, they'd be like, what are you doing? We don't do this anymore, you know? We can, we can stop from all of the works to prove that we're acceptable to God, right? We can cease from our works. You know, on the Sabbath, they rested. On the sixth day of the week, they rested. Um, we, we, every day in Christ now is a Sabbath. We rest from our works. I don't have to strive to get acceptance with God. He accepts us. You know, we have been bought. We have, I mean, been paid for by a price, man. That's awesome. So he, every day is a Sabbath in the kingdom of God. For us, if we're abiding in Christ. Um, Jesus was the perfect forgiveness for sin. We can stop all the sacrifices. Uh, Paul even goes on to talk about the fulfillment of uh, first, Feast of First Fruits. Paul, decades later, says in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, but now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are now asleep. Paul is drawing back to the Feast of First Fruits. He was very Jewish. He was, you know, very well educated. He would have known what he was talking about, speaking to a Jewish, Jewish audience. So he says, he was the first fruits of those who were asleep. For since by a man came death, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ, the first fruits, after those who are Christ, it is coming. Then comes the end when he hands over the kingdom to God and Father, when he has abolished all rule and authority and power, for he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. And that's the gospel message pretty much right there. I mean, that Christ was the first fruits. He overcame death. He's ascended to heaven, right? We see that in early, in early Acts. Now, he has given, the, he has given authority to us to extend the kingdom of love and the kingdom of grace and mercy 
Um, and we even see kind of a timetable of what needs to happen there. Um, that he is um, each in his own order. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. That's now really our job. We are putting all the enemies of God under his feet. Through an army of love unleashed on the earth, that's us, right? So that's awesome. Jesus is reigning from heaven as king. We know that when Jesus was on the cross, he descended into Hades, took the keys, gave them back to God the Father, defeated darkness, and he said, here you go, Dad, here are the keys. I am now reigning at the right hand of you over the earth, and I'm going to do it through my people on earth who are going to extend the kingdom of God. We have an awesome mission. That is cool. Jesus won. We get to enforce it. So not only did Jesus have to die on Passover to fulfill the prophecies, he had to rise again on the Feast of first fruits. Do you see that, how that works out? That is amazing. Now, if we stayed in that scripture that we were in before, 1 Corinthians 15, we could go on to read something very incredible. Um, Paul says, If Christ had not been raised, then our faith is worthless. Wow, that's a strong statement, you know. If he had not been raised, then our faith is worthless. And he says that you are still dead in your sins. So as great as the cross was, and as amazing as it was everything that he went to do, had he not risen, we would still be dead in our sins. That's like a very interesting thing. (laughs) So it was necessary for him to raise again, to fully break the power to fully inaugurate that new covenant and then go sit at the right hand of Jesus. And we can see, because of this, we have that spirit in us. So if we look at Romans 8, 11, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Wow. So we wouldn't really be able to read that verse if he didn't rise from the dead. I mean, we'd say God was a great teacher. He perfectly fulfilled the Passover type. He dealt with sin, mostly. And then that would stop there, you know, but he had to raise from the dead so that his spirit could come and live in us, right? If he had just died, he'd be like any other great teacher who laid down their life and he died. And that was great. Like, we'll look back and read about Jesus in history as a great teacher, taught some great things, but there was no power, Right? The power was needed. That's now in us. That's amazing. So, okay, are you with me on all this stuff? That's pretty amazing stuff. You know, you can't make this stuff up. You couldn't make up the timing. You, you just, it's just amazing. It blows my mind. Every year, we need to celebrate this. We need to learn about this. We need to get this into us. It just makes us worship him even more, you know? So, so since Jesus defeated death and his spirit lives in us, I want to just throw out a couple of things for us this morning. It's great that that happened. What does that mean for us today? It means that everything that was impossible has now been made possible. Everything that was impossible has now been made possible. I titled the message, Jesus Defeated the Impossible. It's amazing. It now means that every situation in your life can be turned into good. Because Jesus endured the worst and he endured the lowest. Uh, You know, he was forsaken by many people, his friends. Peter denied him three times. That must have felt terrible, you know. Um, Yeah, so 
Every situation can be turned into good. Uh, think right now for a second of the most difficult situation that you face in your life. I guarantee every one of us has it. Think about that right now. Just take even 10 seconds. Think of the most difficult situation that you face or your family. Now you've got to take that and put that up against what we just heard and what we just learned and what Jesus did and say that when it looked really dark for him, everything turned around, everything changed. <clears throat> that is possible with you. It is now possible for us to extend forgiveness to anyone and for anything. It is possible to extend forgiveness to anyone for anything. We are left without excuse. If he could say on the cross, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing, we do not have an excuse. The worst thing that we face we don't have an excuse. <clears throat> Since he defeated death, we all enrose, every day is a new start. Every day is a fresh start. Every day there's fresh mercy, there's fresh grace. That is so amazing. So just stand up with me. I just want to pray for us. Um, you know, you might be here today in a place where, man, I have never really gone to the place where I'm hearing about, of actually believing in this. Um, and, you know, if you're here and you're stirred, and God may have brought you into this place today for you to be encouraged, to you, for you to know that there's hope, for there's a future for your life, that there, God is, he's worth getting behind in life. And if you're going to serve something, there's nothing better than this, and then this person. He's a good father, and Jesus is amazing. And he will change your life. And if you are stirred, I just want you to pray with us. We're all going to pray a prayer this morning. And you may have been known Christ for years. And today you want to say, I am back in this game. I, am, I want to get back in the game. You, know? uh, you can just pray this with us also. And recommit yourself again to the Lord in a new way and in a fresh way. And uh, I would encourage you to do that this morning. That uh, you know, God, he, his love is so amazing. Greater love has no one than one that would lay down his life for his friends. And then even better than that is that he came to live in us, to dwell in us. That he's with us all the time, in the good times and in the bad. And you can trust him. In our society, we have a hard time trusting people. Really putting our trust in something. But you can trust God. He is good. We sang this morning that he's not going to let you down. You will go through hard times, but he's with you. And you have someone who's with you in those hard times. He's amazing. So let's just pray this morning, and um, we're just all going to pray this together. So Lord Jesus, repeat after me. Lord Jesus, we worship you today. We're so thankful for your sacrifice. And for the new life that you came to bring. Today I open my heart to you. Maybe for the first time and in a new way. I want to serve you. I want to love you. I want to allow myself to be loved by you. I call you King Jesus. I call you today Lord. I call you today Lord. Lord. 
I believe that you rose again so that we could have new life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that this morning as your first time, I want you to come up and let me know. And I want some of our leadership team members just to be up here and available. Um, that's a big deal. You know? And if you did it and you recommitted your life to the Lord today, come up front and tell us because that is a huge commitment you just made um, and it's the best thing you could have ever done. Get yourself back on track. Serve Jesus. Uh, it's worth it. The stuff we talked about happened. Um, that's a God worth getting behind and serving you know, your whole life for. Thank you for joining us.